cancer patients are often faced with circumstances related to their disease that aren't openly discussed. In Tabuti, the Fight CRC podcast, we delve into those topics that are sometimes considered controversial, trending, or just plain interesting. To suggest a podcast topic, email answers at fightcrc.org. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Tabuti podcast. My name is Sharon Worrell, and I'm the Senior Manager of Education and Research at Fight Colorectal Cancer. On our podcast today, uh, we're going to be talking about tumor storage, and I'm very excited to welcome Michelle Sadaka, and he is the founder of Store My Tumor. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank, thank you for having me. I would love to have you share a little bit about yourself and your background um, and really explain why tumor storage is something that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I am a businessman turned into a practical scientist slash patient advocate. Uh, basically, my journey started at uh, University of Penn. Um, I was helping with the, uh, some uh, ovarian cancer research there. And uh, the idea was uh, that cancer patients would call us uh, for um, autologous vaccine trials. And uh, the first question would be, you know, do we have, do you have cancer cells or do you have tumor that we can remove? Uh, and if you do, you were supposed to at the time fly to Penn and make arrangements for surgery away from loved ones and, uh, and, and recover at a, you know, city that you're not really not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea started as, you know, very simply helping patients to um, uh, stay around loved ones in comfortable cities, around home, do your surgery at a center you're comfortable with and transfer your tissue to the clinical trial uh, very, for the vaccine manufacturing. Very quickly, this idea started sort of developing into well, really, we're not doing tumor storage or tumor logistics only. That's the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole level of diagnostics that one can do before to personalize a treatment. Uh, so it, it's, it's better to think about what we do in a personalized cancer solutions con- uh, uh, perspective uh, instead of tumor storage per se. Um, so the tumor is extremely valuable for personalizing treatments. Uh, personalized treatments are more effective than standard treatments, uh, especially for advanced cancer patients. Uh, we want to harness this tissue, uh, collect it, uh, transport it in a, in a sterile way and, and preserve it. And later on, start immediately profiling it, studying it, uh, studying different um, uh, drugs on it, uh, combinations, and also thinking about immunotherapy. So it um, sounds like you, you really got into this because you were in the field and you were seeing the barriers associated um, with clinical trial enrollment uh, based on lack of tumor tissue or cells available. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, th- there's a lot of um, challenges when it comes to um, handling tissue. Uh, and clinical trials. As, as you can imagine, these protocols are very uh, strict. They uh, are guarded by IRBs and, and large institutions, and there's little flexibility, and, and that's primarily to manage quality, of course. Uh, so on one hand, uh, patients you know, have to travel and sort of do their surgeries. On the other hand, if you do your surgery in a different center, 
there's large academic institutions. They have very uh, stringent rules also around handling tissue in terms of material transfer agreements, in terms of uh, IRB approvals. Uh, they're not traditionally open to work with other centers, uh, at least structurally speaking. The will is there, but the structures are changing slower than, than the will. Uh, so we helped um, patients, uh, you know, add flexibility and uh, coordinate multiple things as opposed to just uh, send your tissue for, for one trial and, and dispose the rest as medical waste or so. So, Michelle, let's take a step back. So, what exactly do you mean by by tumor storage? Like, what mm-hmm. what does that mean? What is the process of having your tumor stored? Tumor storage. Uh, let's talk about it in, in a sense of tumor preservation, right? Cancer cell preservation. It starts with someone having surgery or biopsy, or someone having uh, at any point in the treatment, whether it is a someone just got diagnosed and they're going into surgery or debulking, or someone has had cancer, they reoccurred a few times sometimes, and they're having sort of second, third surgery, what have you. And it, it, it also applies at any stage of the disease, whether you're stage 2B or stage 3 or, or metastasis. Um, someone, so they would call, a patient would call us, uh, we would um, help them understand the value of the cancer cells, in the, uh, in the context of their disease. Uh, and then we would send them a collections kit. It's a little bit larger than a shoebox that would take to the surgical center. Uh, if, they have, if they're working with the top surgical centers, our kits are already in pathology. And there's instructions for the surgeon to prepare and pack uh, this specimen back to us. It travels to us within 24 to 48 hours. On arrival, we sort of process it, clean it, uh, divide it into different vials, and cryopreserve it. And, and we cryopreserve it alive as well as, uh, as, as fixed. We fix a small part in formula. Technology aside, it's, we try to save the tumor in, a different, in different forms to allow multiple applications after to be used. Because we can imagine uh, immunotherapy needs life cells. Genomic sequences, uh, sequencing needs fixed tissue, and so on. Uh, so there's a need for multiple format at the time of uh, of collection and, and processing. Interesting. And so is is this something that, um, like, if you are being treated at a university cancer center or a research cancer institution, that they would do for you, or is this something that is additional, an additional step? that someone would need to take um, outside of their immediate cancer center? At this point in time, it is an extra step that a patient has to plan for. Uh, That's um, uh, just to help um, share some insight around what the standard is today. Uh, Any hospital in the US or internationally, the standard today is to collect a small part of the tumor and fix it in, in paraffin. Um, and um, it's similar to what you see in a museum, for example. It's f- something fixed over time. It's dead tissue. It doesn't change. It stays the same for a very, very long time. Uh, and that, that tissue is analyzed by pathology later on. Um, you get the, the sort of the, the um, pathology report. It tells us very basic information around um, the stage of the cancer, uh, 
uh, where it comes from, the size of the tumor, sort of things, some, some biomarkers as well. Uh, we take it to a different level. If you have the live cancer cells, you can really begin to study them in a much deeper um, and, and, and meaningful way. Um, so I, I think hospitals will move towards um, offering this to patients. Uh, it's just that the, at this stage, a lot of what we do is still experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, so hospitals are not keen to take that leap uh, too quickly. Uh, they have time and uh, it's not a standard process at this point in time. Michelle, if a patient, um, say they had their biopsy and their surgery done prior and now are wanting to do this at this point, would they need an additional surgery? Uh, you know, that's a question we get almost on a daily basis. And it's, uh, it's a area of frustration to many patients because, um, and, and we hear it in the form of, I wish my doctor or my surgeon or my oncologist or my general practitioner, I wish somebody told me about the importance of the cancer cells. Um, I would have preserved them and, and understood that uh, before. Uh, it is a challenge. It's an awareness issue that many patients and, and the whole system is facing. Um, uh, it is many patients call us and they, you know, have had their debulking or their surgery uh, and they don't have cancer cells. And we try to educate them about the importance of these cells. And, you know, if you're an advanced cancer patient, the reality of the disease is that unfortunately, if you're after stage three, it's, it's likely that you will reoccur. Um, uh, so we collect uh, cancer cells at any point in time, whether it's a biopsy or a surgery or, you know, a, 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 a draining ascites, for example. Anything that has cancer cells is valuable. Uh, these cancer cells, no matter from where they come, uh, at, at any point in the treatment or the disease bro- progression, <laughs> uh, serve the same purpose. They can be studied um, in order to better understood so that we can better target uh, the, the problem and the cancer cells. And I can elaborate on that in, in a bit as well. Yeah, definitely. And it, it sounds like the, our next question is really getting into why would someone want mm-hmm. to, to store their tumor or preserve their cells? And I think you, you highlighted it um, a little while ago when you mentioned immunotherapy and precision medicine. Um, can you speak a little bit more about this and why someone would elect to have their cells preserved in this way? Uh, sure. Um, if we look at the standard of care today, again, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, somebody is diagnosed with the disease. The first step is, is typically surgery and then followed by some chemo regimen, followed by some radiation if the disease is, is uh, uh, the different disease, different uh, uh, standard processes, of course. Um, uh, so, uh, if somebody is diagnosed at a late stage or with a rare disease or with a disease of unknown origin, uh, we have to take more aggressive approaches. Uh, the standard of care generally is not enough. And I like to refer to it as a fire in the kitchen analogy. If the fire in the kitchen is burning at an early stage, maybe a towel would do it. If as the fire starts burning, it needs much more than the standard towel, so to speak. Uh, so. Um, we help patients uh, take 
treatments to a uh, do research on their specimen and take it to a different level. Uh, so let me elaborate. Uh, the first step is many, there's a lot of talk today about precision medicine, which I'm sure many of your listeners know about this, yep. the likes of Foundation One and Keras and OncoDNA and Tempest, and there's many companies in the space. <laughs> the approach is let's study the, the tumor, let's look at clean targets, uh, and if we uh, find a clean marker, then we can use a category, pick from a category of drugs that are more targeted for that, uh, uh, for that uh, mutation, as opposed to you know, referring to cancer as colon cancer or colorectal, where it comes from. If we know what's on it specifically, then we can better target it. And that's almost standard of care. Um, um, it is, there's, there's weaknesses in every approach. Um, genomic sequencing is, about 30% of the patients have clinical benefit from this test. The tumor is heterogeneous. It doesn't always yield the same results. If we take the same formula block, we send it to two different labs, we get sometimes varying results. So not, not every test has its weaknesses, and that's the first step towards better understanding the tumor um, and, and targeting it with the right uh, targeted drug. Another approach that we like to complement um, genomic um, uh, testing with is sensitivity analysis. <laughs> so if we have the cancer cells alive, then one can literally divide them in a lab and test different um, um, combinations of drugs on them. Um, literally, you, you pour the chemo or the combination or the drug or the immunotherapy on top, and you wait a few days and you see what effectively kills these cells and what doesn't. Uh, so it's a very behavioral test as opposed to, um, you know, what's, what's specifically in the tumor. Okay. So we see what, uh, uh, what's the best cocktail for that tumor, and uh, we can prioritize the treatments based on, on that test. Imagine uh, both results. One result, on one hand, you have a priority of, uh, you know, five or ten different drugs. From the behavioral test, you have another, you know, five, six uh, priority drugs. We know which one works, which one doesn't work, which one uh, may work. Um, the combination of these tests is more meaningful than one, obviously. Uh, so if we cross-reference results from both tests, you have a more meaningful results. Um, so that's from a diagnostics perspective. Again, it's all about picking the right drug and uh, prioritizing the drug choices, uh, which is a big, big component in every treatment for any patient. I'm sure you had experience with cancer patients and um, myself, I've had my share fair and, and, and know many people fighting this disease. And it's always consuming for the rest of the family and the, mm -hmm. the entire you know, uh, patient circles <laughs> trying to find out what is the perfect, uh, what is the right drug? Uh, what should we be trying? Is it working? Is it not? Uh, so from a drug choice, we can help in prioritizing or, uh, or uh, choosing, filtering out choices that will not work or picking just a smart combination that may work mm -hmm. best. So that's from a diagnostics perspective. Um, again, these are not things that you do. Uh, we don't store my, your tumor and then 
sort of, you know, you do them in the future. Uh, it is a continuous process of let's collect cancer cells and start that diagnostic process. And within weeks, you have an answer around uh, the best um, uh, protocol or, or combination of drugs. So a lot of this is about uh, like treatment decision-making, clinical trials, and, and really just having all of the options available outside of the standard of care that might be offered initially. Absolutely. And, and we're not saying, you know, uh, abandon the standard of care and let's think outside the box. We are very much pro the standard of care. We're just saying, uh, if you're an advanced patient, if you have a big problem, you need to think about it from every angle. So in addition to the standard of care, let's run some experiments. Let's see if there's something smarter. Mm -hmm. Let's see if there's something that makes sense. And a lot of it is a partnership with oncologists. You can imagine picking which drugs to test um, and, and, uh, and prioritize mm -hmm. is something the oncologist knows best. So it's a cooperation with the oncologist. Um, in terms of identifying these 10, 20, 30 drugs, what have you, uh, to, to test on and, and report back to. So, Michelle, uh, talk to me a little bit more about store my tumor. So, it, it's very clear what you, what you all do in terms of cell preservation and tumor storage. How do you work with, with the oncologist and others on the patient's care team? And how would a patient find out more about you and also connect you with their care team? Uh, so uh, the process starts from, you know, working with the patients. Um, um, after collection and preservation of the tumor or the cancer cells, we offer every patient sort of an educational call. And the reason we do this is to help patients better understand how specifically they can use these cells within the context of their treatment. Um, so when you talk about personalization, it, it's, it's not a cookie cutter. And some patients would find it more relevant to start with a chemosensitivity test to prioritize the chemo choices because that's top of mind. Others are more stable and they were thinking about immunotherapy um, in terms of reducing their chances to, to reoccur. Uh, others need more and, and so forth. So Every patient gets a call uh, where we understand what is top of mind, what, are, what is challenging them, and, and we try to help them understand how can these cells fit or answer some of these big questions for them. At that time, we also share with them information that they can take to their oncologist. Um, uh, and, and then we engage sort of indirectly with the oncologist and sometimes directly as well. Uh, in terms of picking the right drugs. Uh, that's something that we get directly involved with oncologists. Uh, different companies, different labs offer different panels. Um, so we share different options with them and they often look at uh, what is um, uh, appropriate for their patient and, and recommend uh, that use, uh, using that lab. Uh, immunotherapy the same. They always have an opinion. They are treating the patient. They know their patient best. So it's always a um, collaborative effort in that sense. Um, but, um, uh, you know, some, most of our patients use their tumor within the first year, although our name is Storage, and that gives a sense of passive 
um, action, mm. take the tumor and put it in storage, that's really not what um, the majority of our patients think of. If you're in an advanced stage, um, again, personalized cancer solutions is, is really how you, you should think about us. If you're an early stage patient, it's more of a storage, it's more of an insurance. Um, as the disease progresses, it may or may not become relevant mm. uh, because if you're in early stage, stage one, stage two, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> uh, the chances are you're going to be fine with the standard of care. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not, then again, we can begin to think harder about this problem and use these cancer cells for prioritization or, or testing or immunotherapy. And does insurance currently cover um, the, the storage of the tumor or the cells? Uh, not at this stage either. It is, we are really outside the scope of standard treatments. It's a little bit like stem cell preservation for children. Uh, insurance is not covering those. Oh. Um, uh, I am sure one day they will, especially with the advancements of different autologous immunotherapies and cellular treatments. Um, uh, they're becoming acceptable or, or um, standard in certain diseases. And as these become more and more available, insurance will probably step in and, and cover those. Well, this has been incredibly interesting and eye-opening uh, in terms of learning about self-preservation and, and the usefulness and kind of the steps involved. Michelle, are there any final things, uh, comments that you'd like for the Fight CRC listeners to know about cell preservation or anything uh, in regards to the work that you do? Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say we talked a lot today about diagnostics. Uh, the majority of our patients come to us um, with interest in immunotherapies. Uh, just primarily, you know, testing is always nice, but people want, patients want to use their tissue want to use their cells to create a treatment. And that's, there's a lot of buzz around immunotherapy and it's a, yes. it's a big topic. Uh -huh. uh, I would say the majority of our patients call us because they're really interested in immunotherapy. Um, and we, we have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to vaccines and T-cell treatments. Uh, we work with hundreds of patients a month and uh, uh, we, um, some of the value that our patients um, tell us they appreciate mostly is the directional feedback that we give them. So it's not just the technical services that we provide, but because we're talking to different patients, we're collecting information and we're, we're providing this back indirectly um, as, as the collective knowledge of, of your peers as well. And that's something very valuable uh, to our patient population. Yes, definitely. We hear a lot about immunotherapy and patients are interested. So good to know that that's another, another way that people are using your services is to help identify um, some of those treatments for them. Why would someone need their, their tumor stored um, if they're at an early stage? or At the end of the day, absolutely. Cancer uh, mutates and changes all the time. And that's why it's a very difficult disease to to, to, um, uh, to get rid of. Um, every time you aim at a target, the, the, it's like a moving target. It, it's a very difficult problem. Uh, so in terms, of, um, in terms of genomic profiling, for example, uh, yes, we prefer to always work from a 
new uh, biopsy. Uh, from a uh, sensitivity analysis, uh, behavioral testing, uh, it's not that simple. Uh, these tests require a large uh, number of cells, so a large volume of tissue. Uh, so we don't usually have that. Um, oftentimes, you don't want to always wait for the patient to reoccur and, and, and uh, wait for the tumor to grow, so to speak. Um, you know, we're under the mercy of the surgeon. If they are ready to operate, then we should collect that. If they're not, then we work with the best thing available. For immunotherapy, um, there's no difference in an old tumor versus a new tumor when it comes to vaccines, for example. Oh, interesting. Uh, the idea is we, this tumor adds mutations as opposed to changes entirely. So it doesn't change, behavior, it doesn't change characteristics. It just adds features to it. Uh, so we, uh, an old tumor is just as useful as a new tumor. Uh, so it, it's not really, this is personalized medicine and we work with what we have. Um, oftentimes a biopsy is, is sufficient. Uh, the more tissue you have, the more we can do with it. Uh, old tissue, new tissue, there's different approaches for either. Um, and these decisions are usually done on a one-to-one -one basis. We look at the patient, uh, uh, we try to understand their strategy, where they are, uh, how much tissue they have, and then the recommendation is, is clear. Uh, so we encourage patients to call us. We'll, we'll, we will dive deeper into each case. Uh, but generally, an old tumor is um, very useful. Uh, additionally, any volume of uh, tissue is useful. Um, different labs have different requirements, and we can help patients if they have very small volume. Uh, we help direct them to labs that can work with a small volume as opposed to the, to the norm. So we have uh, expertise in this area and we can help in every case. And that's also a great point to, to drive home also is that every case is unique and individual. Um, so great to hear that you, you guys all take the time to really talk with the patients and, and learn about how they're unique and different and, and see how this can be of use. Absolutely. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day uh, to chat with me um, and the listeners about Store My Tumor. We really appreciate it and, and really um, admire all the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining our Tabuti podcast. Remember that this information is for educational purposes only and all medical questions should be directed to your doctor.